Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So today is All Saints Day. Technically, All Saints Day is the day after what we often call Reformation Day, which happened on All Hallowed's Eve, or All Saints Eve. But we take them and we spread them apart. So the Reformation is last Sunday, and then All Saints is today. And All Saints, if you remember, is not that day when we remember all the super-Christians, the ones who supposedly did more than even God requires, as some churches teach, but rather the day we remember all Christians, all of those who have passed from this veil of tears, as Luther calls it, into the presence of Christ to await the great day of resurrection. All of us who have been baptized and clothed in Christ's white robes. Here at Ascension, we remember specifically Margaret Millette, George Benjamin, John Sitar, Stephen Machado, as well as those who are close to us, family and friends who have passed away in the last 12 months. And that makes All Saints and all of these Sundays as we head towards the end of the church year a good day to reflect on endings in general and how to cope with them in light of Christ and the salvation that he has provided for us at his cross. Because life is all about endings and endings can be very hard. There's a beautiful, profound prayer that is part of our Compline service, and because Compline is that very last service at the end of the day, we rarely get to use it. But the prayer goes like this. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us at the end of the day, at the end of our life, at the end of the world. These are three big endings, each of which are worthy of a reflection in and of themselves. And so we're going to talk about each one of these on these last Sundays of the church year. And today, specifically, at the end of the day. Now, maybe those of you who like musicals, as you're hearing that phrase, at the end of the day, immediately have a song come to mind. I know I did as I was reflecting on this. That great song from the musical based on Victor Hugo's book, Les Miserables. At the end of the day, you're another day older. And that's all you can say for the life of the poor. It's a struggle, it's a war, and there's nothing that anyone's giving. One more day standing about, what is it for? One day less to be living. At the end of the day, you're another day colder, and the shirt on your back doesn't keep out the chill, and the righteous hurry past, they don't hear the little ones crying, and the plague is coming on fast, ready to kill, one day nearer to die. Now, you might say, what does that possibly have to do with Scripture? Well, if you think about it, it is actually a beautiful echo of the words of the preacher, the book of Ecclesiastes, who has much the same thing to say to us in that book. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, he writes in chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, 
and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead, who are already dead, more fortunate than the living, who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not yet seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. In the day of prosperity be joyful, and in the day of adversity consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Have I cheered you up? Indeed, it is a great thing to look back and see that at the end of the day, the day was good, for many are the days that bring long toil and grief and suffering. The end of the day is about all those little endings that life just seems to be full of, that the preacher of Ecclesiastes has seen accumulate to become a vanity, or that Victor Hugo, when he wrote Les Miserables, saw building up and leading only to suffering. Our favorite TV show comes to an end. And now we have the internet, so we can petition that the show might restart because we miss all of those characters that are gone. They're leaving a hole in our hearts. The empty nest that comes when our children move out. That day that we thought we were looking forward to, but now only seems to bring yet another change. The end of a job. Even retirement, again, that thing that we have so long looked forward to. Finally, I don't have to get up at 7 or 6 or 5 in the morning and fight Montreal traffic. And yet how many people do we know of that die in the months after retirement because they simply cannot handle the change? Or the end of traditions. We always used to. We always used to this or that, and how when those always used to's come to an end, it's so difficult to get past it. My family moved a lot. In fact, as of July of 2020, Lord willing, I will have lived here in Montreal longer than I have lived anywhere else in my life at one turn. So you can pray for that. We've spent a month, year and a half in Moncton, a year and a half in Ottawa, four years in Sudbury, four years in Ottawa. And just to add insult to injury, I went into a co-op program where we moved every four months. In fact, co-op graduates from the University of Waterloo talk about the struggle of getting through their next two years because every four months we find ourselves wandering around the apartment and putting things into boxes like it's a habit and a routine. And in all of those movings, there was one place that was firm and steady in my life, and it was Sudbury, Ontario. And it was the cottage on Nipawasi Lake, and it was 812 Afton Avenue. 
And when it came to the day when my grandparents had to sell that cottage, it was a hard ending at the end of that day. And then when my grandparents passed away and we sold 812 Afton Avenue, the one address that had never changed my entire life, that was an even harder end of the day that I'd ever had before. Life is full of little endings, which is what Jesus is trying to talk to us about today. That at the end, even of those days that seem to us to be the worst days, we are blessed. Which is an odd thing to say. It does not make any worldly sense. And it is precisely what Jesus proclaims to you and I as we sit here this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke records at least one occasion where Jesus frankly just said, Blessed are the poor. Period. Full stop. Blessed are those who mourn, those in grief. Blessed are the meek, in other words, those trampled down by others, constantly under the thumb of somebody with more power or more fame or more money. Blessed are the ones who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. What Victor Hugo and the preacher saw at the end of the day was a struggle, a war, one day less to be living, a vanity and a chasing after the wind. But what Jesus says is the reality is the opposite. That on those days, we find ourselves under the blessing of God himself, creator of heaven and earth. Why? How can that be so when it does not seem that way at all to our eyes or any of our other senses? Because, Jesus says, God's reign, his kingdom, is now yours. Each and every one of us in our baptism has been renamed son and daughter of God. Each and every one of us in those waters has been told that now no matter what comes at the end of the day in this life, the one thing that is absolutely certain and true eternally is that you are God's and he is yours. Forgiveness of sins, life, salvation, every single thing that Christ merited on his cross is now yours. And that while at the end of the day we may find ourselves grieving or in poverty or trampled down or persecuted, the one thing that really matters is that the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is yours and mine. How can this be? How can we look at grieving, at poverty, at persecution, at any of these things and see blessedness and happiness? Because we know what came at the end of Jesus' last day. And there was a day the day of all days, the day that we remember over a three-day period before Easter, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, a day where one of your closest friends betrays you for 30 pieces of silver, a day when your own church comes looking for you, not to have a conversation, but to end any possibility of conversation with you anymore, a day when your government washes its hands of you, 
a day when you have nails driven through your wrists <coughs> and through your ankles, and you are left hanging from a cross to die. At the end of that day, where is the blessedness? It is found exactly in that cross, that in his death Jesus dies for you and for me, and that his resurrection was the proof that even in his dying, Jesus was not only blessed, but blessing you and blessing me. This, of course, is the fundamental, absolute, central difference between Christianity and other religions, especially Islam. Islam cannot accept that Jesus died on a cross. Far be it for God to allow his chosen one to be killed in such a way. Blessedness for Islam means that everything goes great. It means that at the end of the day, you keep your job, you keep your family, you keep your health, and you keep your wealth, and that nothing ever goes wrong. Christianity finds blessedness precisely that in those times when we are grieving and mourning and looking for health and prosperity and wealth, when everything seems to be sliding away, God says, I still hold you in the palm of my hand. I am yours and you are mine. You are those coming out not of the great day of festival, but the day of tribulation. Ones who have washed their robes not in tide, but in the blood of the Lamb. In adult Bible study, we are going through the book of Revelation right now. At our second time, you're more than welcome to join us as next week we go through chapter 2 and the letters written to seven small struggling churches. And an important factor that we've talked about in Revelation is that what is seen does not always match what is heard. As we go through Revelation, we will be confronted with the world as it seems to be, with mourning and grief and persecution and oppression and a God dying on a cross. But what will be told is actually happening is redemption, life, salvation, and forgiveness. Blessed are those who mourn, Jesus says, for they will be comforted. At the end of each and every day, no matter whether the ending is great or small, we will be comforted in Christ, crucified and risen for us. And therefore we pray, abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us at the end of the day, at the end of our life, at the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacrament, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, the night of fear and despair, the night when death draws near. Abide with us and with all your faithful saints, both here and departed, now and forevermore. Amen.